Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the Movies in Focus podcast. I'm Niall Brown. Writer, producer, director, and podcaster Joe Russo joins me on this episode of the podcast to discuss the current strike by the Writers Guild of America. An up-and-coming genre filmmaker, Russo has written a host of well-regarded screenplays with his partner Chris Lamont, and directed the film The Opera Nightmare. He's also produced the horror anthology film Nightmare Cinema, Peter Farley's The Greatest Beer Run Ever, as well as the fantastic podcast Postmortem with Mick Garris. Russo is a member of the WGA and a very vocal supporter of the current writer strike, and his insights into the reason for it are a real eye-opener. Now, I covered the 2007-2008 writer strike for a variety of publications, but this latest strike is a whole different beast entirely. The rise of streaming and artificial intelligence means that the world of entertainment is changing and artists face a whole new set of challenges, both commercially and artistically. In this fascinating conversation, Joe Russo talks passionately and concisely about these challenges, as well as giving surprising details on how Netflix's mysterious algorithm impacts creative decisions at every stage of film production. As always, I hope you enjoy what we have to discuss. Hiya, Joe. Hey, how are you? I'm all good. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Well, thank you for taking the time today to, to join me to discuss the strike that's going on at the minute. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm a huge fan of the, the Postmortem podcast. It's a, an absolute pleasure to have you joining me and uh, to actually see, see the face behind the voice that I listen to every so often. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not not quite as uh, pleasant. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's good. I actually uh, interviewed Mick Garris a couple of years ago. Um, so uh, it, it's I've, I've now finally completed the set. Well, there you go. Yeah, the 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 pair, the postmodern pair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening. Uh, that's I'm I'm glad to hear someone out there does. Uh. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's thousands of us. I I would bet. Um, but yeah, I mean. One of the reasons I, I reached out was through the postmodern podcast. You had um, the the episode where you walked at the picket line. Yeah, yep. And I thought that was a fantastic episode. And thank um, you. I just thought the hearing you guys talk about it, it'd be great to actually have a voice so I could put something out there and let listeners know and, and and people who may not sort of listen to these things or be aware of them to sort of know what's going on. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I, I'm really proud of that episode. It was the first time we'd ever done something like that, uh, where we we went into an event and recorded live. Uh, and and luckily there was a really great turnout. There was some some really fantastic uh, guests, friends of the show, people we hadn't had on the show before, who we were able to uh, to to have come and and talk about their experiences as as screenwriters uh, and screenwriters on strike. So it was. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of that one. I think it turned out really nicely. Thank you for yeah. saying that. No, it's great. I mean, when I start, I've been writing about film for about, I think, 15 years. So one of the things I actually covered quite a bit when I first started in 2007 was the last writer's strike. And things have changed dramatically since then. Everything was quite siloed, sort of, you know, people on the internet didn't really understand it or didn't really care, I would say, at that point, because yeah. social media wasn't a thing. So now I think it's it's great that you're able to sort of bang the drum and let people know yeah it really does feel like it's changed everything uh between the last strike and this one i was i was in college 
uh, you know, doing my last year of college when, when the last strike happened. So I was, I was in a little bit of an insular bubble, but it, it really felt more like people were annoyed uh, that their, their TV series were getting short order seasons more so than they were compelled uh, by the plight of the writers. Um, you know, it was, it was a different environment back then. I mean, you know, residuals were stronger. Um, home video was stronger. You know, there was, there was, just a, it was a different Hollywood uh, than it is today. And I think, you know, the massive wealth increases we've seen with CEOs and corporations just hoarding and hoarding and hoarding the wealth, you know, it, it's, it's plus, you know, the way streaming has kind of just eroded our business model, the combination of these two factors, I think, has made for a much more empathetic, uh, you know, you know, strike this time around in terms of general audiences paying attention. Um, I actually talked to The Hollywood Reporter about social media during the strike a couple weeks ago. And, you know, the kind of the thesis of that article was, um, you know, it is public, the AMPTP, the the group that we're on strike against that represents the conglomerate of the studios, um, they just were caught, uh, you know, off off foot by what social media is doing this time around and, and how it is uh, influencing public opinion. And now that the uh, the actors have joined us on strike, um, they are. Uh, you know, we might have the words that can reach a lot of people, but they have the faces. Yeah. Uh, so, so um, I, I expect that to to not be anything that slows down anytime soon. Well, that's, I mean, you've been incredibly, I'd say of all the, the sort of the writers that I've got on follow on Twitter, you've got to be the most vocal sort of out there sort of going, this is what's going on. This is what we need to do, that sort of thing. So do you, do you think that's because you are of a younger generation compared to, to some of these other people? Uh, it could be. It, it, could, it could be, I you know, just my, you know, me being a big old lefty at heart, uh, you know, um, I've, I've, I, I have a strong, I look, I think horror writers and directors have a, strong sense of empathy and i think activism also uh you know is something that requires you to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes and and feel the problems and um while these things certainly touch me and touch my career um i also recognize how it's touching all of my peers uh as well um so you know i my my hope in in getting the message out there is is really just to try to bring this to a, a fair resolution as, as quickly as possible. And if, if me, you know, screaming from the small soapbox I've built on Twitter uh, and can help accomplish that any, any faster, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to scream at the top of my lungs. And for anyone listening that doesn't know why you are striking and why, well, screen actors, but we'll, we'll sort of leave them alone for a minute in their own little bubble. But why why are the writers striking at this point? Oh, I mean, if if you've been asleep for the last eighty days, uh, I, <laughs> um, I mean, basically the the big thing is uh, streaming. You know, Netflix streaming came into power about really 10, 10 plus years ago, uh, and when that happened. The studios all said, 
hey, you know, this is a new technology. We don't really know how we're going to monetize it. You know, uh, so can you give us a, a, a deal? Can you give us a break? Can you, you know, and so the guilds uh, in good faith did give them some leeway, uh, you know, so that they didn't have to pay uh, as much money as you would if it was a theatrical feature or if it was a network television show or a cable television show even. Um and and on the back end, uh, they got they got breaks on residual payments, which is uh, when a writer or director or actor shares in the success of the program. Um, and now that we've seen that these streamers have been successful, especially during the pandemic when they all blew up, um, and we've seen that all of these studios have kind of doubled down on this strategy, and with with really no sign of retrenchments i mean they're not going to keep building streaming services if it's a money loser uh and we know that uh and so they've had 10 years to figure this out uh and and in the process they have put the squeeze on creatives over that time uh and and basically the guilds have said enough like we need to if this is going to be the future and the old television and the old theatrical models are not uh we need to basically reshape what is uh a a decades old contract for this new media that's kind of the real heart of it i mean there's a lot of sub issues but but that's kind of the the real focal point for for the writers and for the actors well that's it i mean and also i mean if you look at a streaming show they've only got x amount of episodes where back in the the old days shall we say they'd 22 maybe 24 episodes a, a season right right no yeah it was it was i heard a great conversation with uh uh fran drescher uh the president of the screen actors guild uh who was the star of the nanny uh obviously that you know a, a a 90s sitcom that went on forever and and she's still living off of the residual payments from that series uh, she was talking to Senator Bernie Sanders, um, and in that conversation, uh, she was basically saying that you know while the nanny would would is an example of that old model that would go on forever and and she could live off of those residuals, um, what what's happening with streamers is they'll run a show for one, two, three seasons maybe. Uh, and as soon as they decide, as soon as that algorithm decides that that streaming, that show is not bringing in new subscribers, they cancel it. Uh, and so that the chance to make those residual payments over the course of, you know, dozens and dozens of episodes, that's, that's gone away. Um, and, you know, they'll replace it with a new show, a new shiny bobble uh to to try to bring in new subscriber growth and so what they're doing is they're constantly yes they're making new shows but the ability for uh the writers and the actors and and the directors to make you know a long-term living off of the success of that show with the streamer has gone away and as we've seen in recent times the shows aren't necessarily staying there either they're, they're right yeah now they're now they're yanking them off uh and you know if if they're even lucky enough to get a release um you know they're they're really looking at all the stuff they've made over the last couple of years and and they've been pulling things off the platform that there was a disney movie that was released on disney plus in may 
and it came down June 30th. It was on the platform for six weeks. Uh, that's that's hundreds of people's labor and time, you know, one to two years of their life at least invested into this thing for for six whole weeks. Um, and and who knows if it'll ever be seen again. Well, that's it. And even, I mean, from a fan perspective, if you watch that movie on Disney Plus and you were like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, you'll never see it again, you know, unless you, yeah. end, you know, pulling it from some sort of dodgy website in, in order to sort of catch up with it, which is just, I think, insanity for yeah. everyone. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I was kind of, I remember a couple of years ago, I, I famously said in the middle of the pandemic uh, on social media, something to the effect of guys, we have to watch these streaming movies and, and series when they come out. If you want them to keep making more of these things, yeah. you know, and people were like, man, 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 they'll always be there. They'll always be around. I'll get to it when I get to it, blah, 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 blah. Which is like okay, fine, but now we're seeing that that no, like you need to pay attention to this material when it comes out, uh, you know, when it comes out because it could be gone within six weeks now, uh, and heading heading for a quarterly tax write off, uh, which is a, a a huge problem that I think the government really probably needs to look into because I'm not quite sure how a completely viable movie or television show uh that can be released amongst different channels can just be oh this doesn't work we're taking a tax write-off on it and disappearing it um that that to me doesn't that doesn't track uh and unfortunately it's too late in the you know process to probably for the guilds to handle this time around but i think it, it's something that needs to be handled at least in the interim by agents and managers and future contractual negotiations putting some kind of penalty against them disappearing these movies uh and or you know i i really truly think the government needs to step in because the american people should not be subsidizing these massive corporations because they decided their movie didn't work as well as they thought it should yes it's i mean the first time i think most people uh, even me and i've been doing this for a while was batgirl when they decided you know they were just going to can that without even you know, yeah. finishing the film. And that was like, whoa. But now it's it's even shows that are on there. They're just being pulled left, right, and center. Yeah. No, I mean, really, truly, David Zasloff set off a, a insidious new era uh, in, in Hollywood, which is, you know, usually if a movie didn't work, uh, the studio would just maybe either dump it to video on demand or they would try to sell it off to somebody else or they would you know, put it in as few theaters as absolutely possible. Like there were a lot of telltale signs that a movie didn't work and we've all become, become accustomed to it, but this is new and this feels uh, much worse. You know, like, look, we can't, nobody knows anything. Nobody knows if a movie's going to work or not or connect or not. But I mean, how many movies have we seen that the studios deemed weren't worthy uh, that, that, get released on home video or get marginal releases and become massive hits down the road. I, I, I think specifically about, you know, Michael Doherty's trick or treat, um, you know, which, which did not have a theatrical release, got a home video release a couple of years after it was, was made, uh, became a perennial and, and last year had a theatrical release. Uh, that's insane. You know? Yeah. Uh, 
or or the thing you know from 40 years ago which you know yeah i mean i mean the thing could have been a movie that universal in theory today could take a quote-unquote tax write-off on and disappear and act like it never happened um and we would have missed out on literally a modern day masterpiece uh yeah, yeah it, it, it boggles i mean from a business perspective I'm sure there are people in suits that think this is a great idea, but as somebody who appreciates kind of culture and, you know, sort of filmmaking and art, it it just, it's unbelievable, yeah. you know. I, unfortunately, I think with the strike going on, rather than them looking at their libraries of, of things that they have available um, and releasing them to keep the pipeline going, I could see a world where some of these studios are looking at the stuff that's on their slate and going, is this more valuable right now in this quarter as a tax write-off? And yeah. then just, you know, you know, I, I, I've i got a movie that's that's in limbo at Netflix. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised if after their quarterly earnings call today, uh, if we got a call and said, hey, you know what? We're, we're just going to disappear this movie for a tax write-off. You know, like, I, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me, um, you know, which is which is horrible and sad and terrifying all at the same time. As somebody who's worked for Netflix, who's also worked in the independent realm. What's it like working with the one of the enemy or having worked with one of the enemy? What what's what's it like being an insider? How how does it feel being in there? And then what's it like looking back at them from the outside? I mean, the the tricky thing about Netflix was um you know they had this big uh hit from wall street that they took last year and people have been calling it the great netflix correction uh because they kind of overreached and and uh when they had some subscriber losses last year netflix rain or uh, wall street reined them back in in a really big way um so the netflix that i worked at uh you know that made the move that movie under almost no one from that division is employed by netflix anymore uh, that division doesn't exist anymore. That's why I said the movie's kind of in limbo, you know? Uh, and and so, you know, it's hard to say that my experience will be replicable in the future, um, you know, but it was really hard. I mean, we had an exec who was um, very afraid of like every decision she was making and uh, everything was algorithm driven. It was, you know, can we cast this actor? Well, let me go check with the algorithm first. Can we hire this DP? Let me go check with the algorithm first. You know, it was, it was, it was literally making a movie via spreadsheet, you know, which, which is not, you know, the, the way, the way to do it. Um, you know, so it was, I mean, but despite all those things, I truly think that Alejandro Bruguet has directed uh, the heck out of it, you know, given all those kind of co confinements. Uh, and, and my script is still very much present in, in the final product. You know, I hope it doesn't become a tax write-off. I hope I hope the movie will see the light of day. Um, but, you know, it's completely out of my control. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it was challenging because you'd heard the rumors like, oh, Netflix was a very talent friendly company. And I think to a certain level of creative, they are, you know, if you're Martin Scorsese or David Fincher, uh, you know, I think you, you get to do whatever you want. I think that uh, the people who are more at Alejandro's level and my level and uh, David Yarovsky's level and like, I think we got really, really 
hammered on by the the algorithm driven uh, creative process. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people have been saying that the Netflix content is subpar, and I think that's a a, a large part of it. Yeah, I, I honestly, you always hear about you know them using algorithms to sort of make these selections. I didn't know it was literally down to casting, cinematography, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. No. Uh huh. Yeah. No, we 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 would joke that like she would go and talk to Cerebro, like she'd put the Cerebro <laughs> helmet on her head from X Men, and uh, you know, it, it it. So I don't know. You know, it's it's uh. It was not the easiest. I mean, like the the money was decent at the time, you know. But but uh, in retrospect, and looking at what the guild wants streaming deals to look like moving forward, it was not a great deal. You know, it was based. It was basically based on TV movie rates. Um, it was not based on theatrical movie rates, even though they spent uh, almost as much as Blumhouse would on you know kind of a mid tier movie for them. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's a problem. Yeah. It, it sounds like a hellish experience, especially when you've written a script. I mean, do you even know how they select your script? Do they presumably somebody reads it, but do they then do some mumbo jumbo with a computer to go, this is a Netflix movie or how does, how does that work? Um, I, you know, I, I, I can only speak a little like anecdotally to how our script was chosen. Um, you know, a lot of people took me to lunch right after we sold our script to Netflix, trying to find out what the secret sauce was. Like, what did we do? Uh, and I wish I had a great answer for them because it was really, it was the middle of the pandemic. It was October, 2020. And I almost did a spit take when I got the call because I had no idea they had that script. Uh, it was a script that had gone around town already. It had been on uh, this thing called the blood list, which is like the best horror scripts of the year. Um, and so it, it kind of had its moment and we got, we got great meetings off of it. We met a bat robot off of it. I mean, like it was, it was, a, it did a really great job as a writing sample for us. Um, but, you know, people were always like, well, it's kinda, it looks kind of similar to, and then it kind of ended up being similar to uh, ready or not. Um, yeah. And so they were like, meh, 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 right. They did the whole, like we're Hollywood and we're afraid of making anything that might be remotely similar to something else that's in production. Uh, so it kind of fizzled out. I had a few people kind of here or there, you know, say, "Oh, we're maybe we're, we're we'll we'll get engaged." But and then and then in the middle of the pandemic, Netflix calls and a um, you know a junior executive there uh, who I adore, uh, Aaron Sanderson, had asked my agency for some horror scripts, um, and we were sent over in a package of them. And uh, and she ended up loving it. Um, now, where it goes from her recommending it to the higher ups to them calling and saying we're buying it I, is a little fuzzy for me. Um, but but I imagine my understanding is at that moment in time, you know, uh, they were looking at Ready or Not and Knives Out and being like, oh, we see this as the algorithm sees this as a comp for that. Uh, we don't control either of those two properties at that time. Uh, let's buy this and make it. Um, literally, while we were shooting, uh, they, they did end up buying the sequels to Knives Out. And I wonder, even if just six months later, you know, if they still would have bought the script. Because, right. uh, like, you know, that's that's historically been the problem with Netflix is the algorithm is made their, their it's a com 
always constantly moving target about what they're looking for. It's very, very hard to sell there because every day it feels like there's a new mandate. Which must be difficult for them as a business. I mean, I think you one of the your films you wrote, Bruce Willis film, became sort of a massive hit on Netflix, presumably yes. because of the algorithm. You know, yeah, which, I mean, it wasn't a Netflix movie. It was an independent yeah. that was was licensed to Netflix. But yeah, that was where it really kind of blew up. I think it was number one in the UK, yeah. uh, and it was it was number two here in the states. Um, you know, I wish it's not my best movie by any stretch of the mag- imagination, but but uh, you know, it was still cool to see um, that it worked. But yeah, I think it was the algorithm plus Bruce Willis's mug. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it works really nicely in terms of, um, getting people to click on the movie. Uh, so sort of going back to, to, to the strike, um, it's been rumbling on for quite a bit. The, 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 the actors have now sort of, they, they've put tools down and they've gone out. How long do you see this happening? And what, what do you think will happen next? What's as, as somebody who's sort of pounding the pavement? Yeah, we're we're in an interesting moment as of this recording because, uh, you know, for the first kind of stretch of the strike, uh, we were kind of always, there was dates to, to point to. It was, oh, you know, the DGA negotiations are going to end then and SAG negotiations are going to end then. And then there was the, the SAG extension. So there was always kind of dates that we were, literally marching towards uh <laughs> and and uh now we're kind of in the first part of this strike where there is no date to kind of point to and i think everyone's kind of you know prognosticating in 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 hopes of figuring out what it is i mean i've heard everything from you know mid-august to first quarter next year you know uh mm-hmm. I mean, it's and 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 literally every option in between. Uh, so that goes to show you that I think just no one really knows. Um, I think these next two weeks, as um, you know, the the studios and the streamers have to report to Wall Street about their quarterly earnings, uh, and I'm sure their investors on those calls are going to ask, "Hey, you failed negotiations with two of the three major labor unions that make this product um what's the plan right yeah, uh and yeah. if they don't have a good answer or a good enough answer i could see their stocks dropping and that kind of forcing them back to the table um you know when i i was talking to someone about the 2007 strike you know famously it was kind of like oh you know once they um you know, decided they were going to start negotiating again, uh, kind of in the face of the Oscars coming up. That was the the, the bellwether moment. Um, you know, how long did it take from them saying, okay, we're going to sit down again to going back to work? And it was still six weeks. Um, so we're definitely blowing past the 100-day uh, mm-hmm. writer's strike from 2007-8. That's, 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 there's no way we don't blow past that at this point. Um and the question is, you know, when when do they actually say in earnest we're going to start talking, and then basically put a six week clock on that? I think, you know, October feels like it probably is maybe the soonest that that all comes together. But that's completely hypothetical. 
Yeah, and I mean that that's gotta gotta hit them hard because if you think there's big films like Deadpool three, you know, shut down yeah. in the middle of production, and you kind of go, well, to get that back up and running, and then to secure extra dates for Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, all those people, yeah. you know, that's got a major knock on effect. I don't I don't know how Bob Iger gets on with his investors and says our our May tentpole movie we don't know if we're going to have anymore because we can't make a deal with these people. Like that doesn't feel like if I was an investor, uh, something I would want to hear, I would want to hear, okay, well, how are you going to make a deal with them? You know? Um, So I just don't think the whole, we're going to bleed them out and not talk to them until the end of October thing feels feasible in any regard, even for Netflix, you know, like as much content as they have stored, um, you know, they're going to run out next year at some point. They have to put things into the pipeline um, and they can only get by on, you know, trading library titles around amongst each other for so long before people get bored. You know, I'm already, I'm already uh, last weekend, you know, Mission Impossible came out in the theaters and there was no new streaming movies, not a single one. And I kind of, that was the first time I was like, maybe I need to do an audit of, all of these streaming services and like think about canceling some of them because if there's not gonna this is what it's gonna be like i've got my dvd collection yeah you know that's it you know and i mean even netflix they must be taking a hit with like stranger things you know the, the length of time is going to be from oh my god you know, i mean those kids are going to be 40 by the time i know <laughs> they're going to be the parents in the next season yeah. I, I i like i'm and again if i'm an investor and i'm like that's their biggest hit stranger yeah. things is their biggest hit um you're telling me you you have no plan to put that into production, you know, like that that doesn't sit well for me if I was an investor. Yeah, uh, and that's it. And I, like I said before, to get those things back up and running, you know, I presume they haven't finished the scripts for the whole season and and all those sorts of sort of crazy elements that will just delay that even further. Yeah, yeah. So you know, look, I mean, I know that it's more than just what content is out and when it comes out it's it's you know for netflix it's you know they can razzle dazzle them with the numbers from hey our our password crackdown or or you know our new ad tier right like there are other things that can buoy them through at least this quarter um but you know come come end of q3 end of q4 those razzle dazzle things are going to go away and i don't know what is left well that's it and uh yeah, hopefully they 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 fold, you know. Yeah, I mean, go. look, the problem is Wall Street put us into this world as is. They they push these companies into new models and the new business models. Uh, sadly, I think it's Wall Street that's going to be the ones that gets us out of it. You know. Yeah. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, these companies don't make anything. Uh, they just repurpose what we've made for them, and they make new things through us. Uh, and if they have nothing new, you know, co- content will be the death of them. Content will be the thing that saves them. Uh, yep. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. Um, I will leave it there. Thank you, Joe. I, do you know what to speak to someone so insightful, so passionate um, about the whole thing to actually hear it from an insider has been fantastic. So can I just say thank you for, for joining me? I, I'm absolutely happy to. I really appreciate you reaching out. Uh, apologies, the the picketing schedule made it a little challenging to wrangle, but uh, I feel like the the timing ended up being really well because uh, you know we got through and we know the actors are with us and and that's 
you know, all we would have been really talking about before is whether the actors would strike or not. And they, they have and they are. And uh, it feels really great to be on a, a two union fight. Yep. Um, no. And, and, and as somebody who's a fan and sort of writes about these things, I kind of I support you guys all the way. So I, I really do hope it's uh, everything goes in your favor. And I, I really do mean that. Thank you. That means a lot. Really means a lot. Appreciate you having me. No worries. And once this is up, I will share it with you and make sure you can sort of share it amongst your your people as well. Awesome. Will too. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Talk soon. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Movies and Focus podcast. You can download it wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope that you tell your friends about it. That's it for this time. And I'll see you at the movies.